0: May God's grace, mercy, and love be with you forever. Amen. Well, what was Christmassy about those readings? Then two will be in the field, and one will be taken, and one will be left. Well, that might have been helpful if you were out shopping on Friday. He will judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Where is the Christmas spirit in any of that? It's not there. Nor is it supposed to be. Because we are in the season of Advent. The season of Advent is a time to prepare for Christ but it's not pre-Christmas because we aren't preparing for the birth of Christ that's already come and we will celebrate that but Advent is a time to prepare for Jesus to come back Advent is a time to prepare for his return And the thing is, we get that wrong as well because when we think about Jesus coming back, it's like he says at the beginning of this lesson, the gospel lesson from Matthew. People want to know when. They want to know what the signs are so that they can get ready. It's like when you're at work and some big shot is coming and everybody is supposed to be looking busy and doing their work as opposed to when no big shot comes and you're not doing your work? if we want to get ready for Jesus to come again the way that we should be getting ready is doing what he told us to do instead of worrying about when How about we just do what? To do what we were told to do. Jesus said, If the owner of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not let his house be broken into. Therefore you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. It's easy to be prepared when you know when it is you're supposed to be prepared. But if you are truly prepared, you're ready at any time. And for us to be prepared for Jesus to return, we should be doing what it is we should have been doing the whole time. And that's part of what the word that came to Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judea and Jerusalem because the vision that Isaiah had was for God's people to be the fulfillment of the covenant that God had established with Abraham and Sarah God promises these these two he's 99 she's 98 You're going to have a child. And from that child there will be more children. And from you will come a mighty nation. And all of this land will be yours. And here's your part of the deal. I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless your descendants. So that through them, the rest of the world can be blessed. What God wanted from Abraham and Sarah's descendants is for them to use their blessings to be a blessing to others. God wanted Abraham and Sarah's descendants to be like the person whose lawn is always green 12 months out of the year no rain, no sun too much rain, too much sun but it's always green Or that person who takes their vegetables to the local fair and always wins the blue ribbon because their tomatoes are the size of basketballs. Or that person who brings a dessert to a dinner and their dessert is always the first one gone. God wanted... Abraham and Sarah's descendants to be so successful that everybody would come up to them and go, what's your secret? How do you do it? And like you see in so many TV commercials, they, they turn to the camera and smile and say, well, I'm just doing what the Lord told me to do. Maybe you should do so as well. And then the jingle plays. God wanted God's chosen people to be so successful that people came to them to find out what what was their what was the secret of their success. And Isaiah saw a day when that would happen, when the world, all the nations, all the people would come to Jerusalem to Mount Zion. Many people shall come and say, "Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob." that he may teach us his ways and we may walk in his paths. Isaiah saw a fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant that people would come to Jerusalem to find out what do we have to do to be blessed like this and to find out that God's justice is to take the blessing that you have and share it with someone who needs to be blessed. If you have, give to someone who doesn't have. God's judgment and God's justice is to arbitrate and to reconcile. God's judgment is did you do what I told you to do? God's judgment is a lot like a parent reminding a teenager about their chores. Did you take out the garbage? Did you take out the garbage? Garbage. Out. Take. God wants us to do what God has told us over and over and over in scripture to do. Time after time after time in the Hebrew Bible we're told to love our neighbor and to take care of the stranger. Jesus is asked what are the two what, are the, what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And there's one that's just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. God's justice is asking us, did you do what I told you to do? Because if we do what God has told us to do, the world's going to be a better place. The world is going to be a fairer place. The world is going to be a place where people aren't wanting for things because the things that they don't have, they'll be given. People won't be jealous because others have too much because those who have been blessed will share from their bounty. Those who don't have enough will be satisfied. Those who are different will be appreciated for their differences. See, if we do what we're told to do, the world will be a just place. The world will be a place of peace. If everybody has enough People won't need to be afraid that someone's going to take what they have and if we feel safe we won't have to learn war anymore the thing is a lot of people hear this passage from Isaiah they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. And they think that it's a fantasy. Those are nice words. Never going to happen, but it's a good thought. Why is it easier for us to believe that God is going to raise us from the dead? That God is going to pull us out, out of out of our tombs, our coffins, our urns bring us back to life. Why is it easier to believe that than we can stop fighting and beating each other up and killing each other? There's a simple reason why it's easier to believe in life after death than a peaceful existence. Because we don't have to do anything to be raised from the dead. Well, that's not true. We got to die. And time is going to take care of that. But if we want to live in a world where they shall learn war no more, we have to live live a life of peace. We have to live a life of justice. We have to live out the commands of the Hebrew Bible and the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ to love God, to love our neighbor, to take care of the stranger. We have to live out the terms of the Abrahamic covenant to be a blessing to those who are in need. It means we have to live and do what Jesus taught. See, there's a misunderstanding about what Jesus said in this passage from Matthew's Gospel especially about the two who are together and one is taken and one is left behind. We think that being taken is good and left behind is bad. And we do that because, well, we believe what the left behind rapture theology teaches rather than actually listening to what Jesus says. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. They knew nothing of the flood until it came and swept them all away. What happened during the flood? Noah entered the ark, and for everyone else, they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them away. The righteous one, the one who was doing what God told him to do, as crazy it was, just build a big giant ark and collect a whole lot of animals. The one who did what God said stayed. The ones who didn't were swept away. The ones who were found lacking were taken away so too will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. What Jesus describes as happening when the Son of Man returns where two will be together and one will remain and one will be taken is that the righteous will be left here on earth because that's where God's kingdom is going to come at the end of the book of Revelation I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his people, and God will be with them. The righteous aren't taken away. The righteous stay here. because God's kingdom comes to earth as it was in heaven. And so those of us who are bold to claim the title Christian, if we truly want to earn that title, we'll be here doing what God told us to do, Waiting on God to keep God's promise to bring about God's will and God's reign here on earth. Until then we've got work to do. And we're we're working at it, but we still got more work to do. The people are hungry. But we worked on that. I don't know if you noticed, but I, I I changed my hair color? <laughs> I, I don't know if anybody, I don't know if I, no, nobody picked up on that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I said something. We finished the Bedlam food drive. Between the six churches, we literally collected a ton of food. 2,040 some pounds. has gone or will be going to food banks around Oklahoma City. Now, more of that food was put on orange tables as opposed to maroon tables, and so that's why I'm uh, picking up some extra work doubling as a traffic uh, barrel out of some construction zones. But six churches working together, six not very big churches working together, provide a ton of food. But it's not just that people are hungry. There are people who are lonely. There's people who need justice. There's people who are crying out for peace. And while we should be proud of what we've done, we've still got work to do. And we need to be about that work until the Son of Man returns in a day that is surely coming. Amen.